It's something for nothing, the Rush Fancast. Jerry and Steve with you. Jared, do you recall probably a couple of years ago when we decided to talk about exit stage left and you said to me, we can't talk about live albums. <laughs> Who wants to hear us talk about live albums? Um, I kind of remember that, yeah. Um, I guess I was wrong, though. <laughs> and now we've only got two live albums left. That's true. And today we're going to talk about one of them. That's right. And what a great one it is, Steve. It is. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, find us at the Rushcast. Email Jerry, therushcast at gmail.com. The bass intro and outro, that's Lex. Rate, review us on your favorite podcast app. And Jer, before we reveal which live album we're talking about, I bet you have a great email for us. I do. This is from Dave. What's up, Dave? So he says, hello, my name is Dave and I live in Toledo, Ohio. I discovered your podcast about a year ago and I've been consuming every episode since then. I love listening to you guys discuss my favorite band and I recently turned a friend of mine onto your podcast as well. Oh, nice. I'm a bit older than you, so I discovered Rush a few years before you guys did. I was a junior in high school in 1980 when I first heard the spirit of radio on my local radio station. Back then, there was a pizza place I frequented with my family, and they actually had that song on the jukebox. I played it over and over, and I loved it. Then came moving pictures, and I was hooked. I've since worn out innumerable copies of that album on vinyl, cassette, and CD. My first concert was in November of 1982 on the Signals Tour. I saw that one here in Toledo, and the Grace Under Pressure Tour here as well. I caught the next four tours in Detroit. Sadly, I never saw them again, so I only have six shows under my belt, but I have great memories of each show. Keep up the great work and keep the podcasts coming. I listen to them during my daily commutes. I've tried to get my wife to listen to Rush, but I've had no luck so far. She's a diehard country music fan, and I can't get her to give the band a try, but I'll keep trying. Thanks again, Dave. Thanks, Dave. That's what we're all doing, trying to get our wives to listen to Rush without (laughs) complaining, right? Yeah, it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell, usually. My wife does listen to Rush. She actually owned Signals before I met her. Do you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. How did that happen? I have no idea. Wow, you should ask her. It was in her CD collection. I don't think she has any idea. It had to be Columbia House. It just she had no. ten albums that she knew, and she no, just it was an actual one. copy of Signals. Hmm. Strange, right? It is very strange. Well, what's not strange is what we're going to be talking about today, Jar. Clockwork Angels tour live album and DVD released November nineteenth, two thousand thirteen. Performances selected from three Rush concerts, Jar, on the Clockwork Angels tour. November 25th, 2012 in Phoenix, November 28th, 2012 in Dallas, November 30th, 2012 in San Antonio. Do you remember what show we saw on the Clockwork Angels tour? Well, I mean, I'm going to have to guess that we saw them at Madison Square Garden. No, we saw them at the Prudential Center. Oh, that was going to be my next guess. October 20th, 2012 at the Prudential Center. So just a few weeks before this album was recorded. Is this the only show that we saw on that tour? It's the only show that we saw on this tour. Hmm. Crazy, right? Yeah, it's crazy. I could have sworn we saw them twice, but I could not find any evidence of that. (laughs) It's possible that I lost the ticket stub. Yeah, I think by then there weren't even ticket stubs. They were like printouts. 
Yeah, it was a printout. I kind of turned it into a ticket stub. I cut out the part that looked like a ticket. Oh, look at you. Yeah, it sort of looks like a ticket stub. <laughs> did you like decoupage it onto a piece of cardboard or something? I did not. I should. Yeah, it's a keepsake. Three CDs in this set, Jar. 184 minutes and 44 <laughs> seconds running time. How about that? I know. I saw that. I was like, wow. That was a long show, but it has three extra songs on the end that would have been included in a regular set. So it's a little bit shorter than that, right? Yes. Yes. The DVD was certified platinum May 14th, 2014, and the album reached number 33 on the Billboard 200. How about that? I'm surprised by that, Steve. Yeah. Number 75 on the Canadian albums chart, number 65 on the UK albums chart, went platinum in the US and three times platinum in Canada. Wow. Give it up for the Canadians. Yeah, really? So what do you say we jump right into this? This is an amazing record, and I think we should get started. Yeah, sure. Let's go. Track one is Subdivisions. say this all the time i know what a great opener right what a great opener <laughs> <laughs> what a great opener i was just surprised when i because i hadn't heard this again with the live albums i don't listen to them very much so i hadn't heard this one probably since it came out and i was like wow subdivisions at the beginning that's that's a great move and the things that jump out to me immediately how great getty sounds yeah I don't know why, but I thought when we got to these last two live albums, since Getty's getting older, I thought he wouldn't sound as good, but boy, was I wrong. Well, I just remember seeing them in concert and coming away occasionally saying that he didn't sound good on some songs, Mm -hmm. but he sounds great. This whole album, the whole record, he sounds great. And the mix, even from the get go, I thought was really, really good. I'm surprised when you said that it was recorded in how many, three different cities? Yeah. Because it sounds seamless to me. You can't even tell. Can't even tell. Can't even tell. I couldn't tell. And what a better way to start a show than Subdivisions. This version sounds great. Neil's drums are amazing. Alex's solo is amazing. Yep. They all sound great. Yep. Kicking it off in high gear. Which leads us to track two, Jer. The Big Money. Now, when researching this album, I went a little deeper than normal. Somebody had to. I didn't. What'd you, what'd you find out, Steve? <laughs> Rush had not performed The Big Money live in 10 years. Wow. It was last played on the Vapor Trails tour. And the song was never played again after this tour. Hmm. How about that? That's pretty cool. Now, what stood out to me on this is Neil's hi-hat work. You always talk about this. I know. But so crisp, so upfront in the mix. And just amazing. Yeah. And Alex is really, you know, because there are a, a, a number of songs in a row from the 80s synthy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. 
but Alex is really, his guitar is really meaty. Yeah. He really brought it to the forefront. And I believe it's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighty songs in a row to kick it off. Right. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, they're all seven songs in a row between 1983 and 1987. Yeah. Which I remember at the time was heaven for us. I loved it. Absolutely. And track three is no different. Force 10. this is really cool because the beginning has a has a weird jammy thing right yes i said the same thing alex is jamming (laughs) he's just jamming and the solo section how about the solo section yeah he's tearing down the house in this whole concert some stats for you jared this song had not been performed in eight years Mm. last on the 30th anniversary tour and like the big money not performed again after this tour i mean there wasn't much after this tour there was just our 40 yeah. So understandable, but this was the last time we saw Force 10. Yeah. Always a great song. And again, you know, we always talk about how the live albums have the, the tenor of the most recent album. Yeah. I was just going to ask you the same question. I don't think that these songs really have that. They're, they sound different than the Clockwork Angels. You know, it doesn't sound like a Clockwork Angels take on Force 10 or, you know. I think Alex's guitar sound and Getty's bass tone, more than anything, have a Clockwork Angels tone to it, for me at least. Mm. Okay. Let's agree to disagree on that. Steve. Okay. All right. We agree to disagree. <laughs> we, I do love Getty's echoing vocals. Oh, yeah. Throughout this whole record, but on this song especially, and there's another one I'll get to later. Well, you really pick up a lot of the pre-recorded you know, background vocals mm-hmm. on a lot of songs. So is that what you're talking about? Yes. So I think they did a great job of, of weaving those in. And I was trying to listen to them and try to figure out if they sounded different than Getty sounds now. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I see. They're probably the recordings from earlier, but I, I didn't really pick up a, a big difference. I bet you he recorded that stuff prior to the tour. I don't think it's you from the think record. So? Oh yeah, sure. So it sounded matched. Sure. Somebody has to know that fact. Oh, I'm sure somebody does. You and I don't. Well, let's hope they send us an email about it. Track four, Rush digs into the vault, Jer. Grand Designs. stats for you the first time since the power windows tour wow they only played this 142 times total and not again obviously after this tour and a very underrated tune in my opinion yes and i think an an interesting choice these first seven songs very interesting choices very power windows heavy oh yeah and grand designs it was a surprise when they started playing it 
I remember that. Oh, yeah. I was over the moon. Yeah. And the one thing I wrote down while I was listening to this is I called Alex Mr. Whammy Bar. He is just <laughs> leaning heavily on his whammy. Absolutely. And it's an amazing version of Grand Designs and just just an amazing pull from the vault, I think. I mean, yeah. does it get better? No. And the ending, the drawn out ending is really interesting. Yes. You know, just a fresh take on things and Getty's popping his strings like crazy. It sounds, it sounds incredible. And while Rush was in the vault, they figured, hey, let's grab another one. Yeah, really. Track five is The Body Electric. Now, Jar, I don't recall seeing Rush play this song live. You know why? Why? Because we didn't. This is the first time we saw them play The Body Electric? No, when we saw them, they played Middletown Dreams. Oh, wow. They did oh, I not, forgot about that. They did not play The Body Electric at the show we saw. Oh, wow. I forgot all about that. First time they pulled out this song since the Grace Under Pressure tour. So we never saw them play this song. Unless we saw another show that we're forgetting about. Huh. 113 times total they played this in their career. Wow. And they did play it at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn on this tour. So did we go to that show? Why wouldn't we go to that show? Why wouldn't we? I don't have this ticket stub. Huh. Maybe we did. Let's just say we did. <laughs> right? Because that's a great place to go. And Alex's guitar work on this, again, just incredible. I know. Every time we talk about these live albums, we just end up talking about Alex for most of it. Well, he does so much different stuff when he plays these songs live than he did in the studio. He improves everything. Yes. It's almost like, you know, Getty and Neil, especially Neil, I think, is sticking pretty close to the recording. Right. But that gives Alex, you know just the freedom to noodle around wherever he wants to, right? Yeah, and a lot of times I think on the record, Alex got lost in the mix, especially in the 80s. Yeah. But he doesn't get lost in the mix here. He makes sure of it. Yeah. Track six on Clockwork Angels Live, Jer. Another one from Power Windows, Territories. love this one yeah one of my favorite rush songs absolutely so i was ecstatic when they started playing it and it sounds so much different at least the guitar tone again at the very beginning is different and you know alex throws in a lot of interesting things uh he throws in some nasty sounding guitar right when 
right when Getty says citizens along for the ride, mm-hmm. he just kind of, I don't know what he's doing. We probably weren't close enough. Where were our seats for this show, Steve? Jeez, I don't know. I have to go pull out the <laughs> ticket stub again. I put it away. But I wrote down Alex doing new and incredible things with his guitar. Yeah. First time this song was played in 24 years, the Hold Your Fire tour was the most recent. And we wow. saw them, of course, do it on the Power Windows tour as well. They performed it 220 times total in their career. Still, that's not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. But we were lucky enough to see it. I'm guessing we saw the Hold Your Fire tour, I think, three times. So we at least... Did we really? Yeah, we went to three shows. We were crazy back then. Yeah, that's true. Or smart, depending on how you look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, track seven on the Clockwork Angels tour, The Analog Kid. Getty says before the song that this is celebrating its 30th anniversary and it's the first time they played this in 18 years. Really? The counterparts tour was the last time previous to this. I remember seeing them play it when we went to Jones beach. What year was that? Counterparts was what in the nineties, early nineties, right? Oh, so we saw them on the counterparts tour at Jones beach is what you're saying. I think so. Okay. (laughs) It has to be right. It It has to be. Yeah. Has to be. 272 times total, Jer. Man, this is an amazing version of this song, though. Oh, absolutely. And of course, the, the solo is yeah. perfect on the recording. And I don't know, Alex just has rocket fuel in his system tonight, right? But that's what we say for every live album. I know, I know right? we do. Right. He is the star of the live show. I think he is. Yeah, he's king of the hill. But you could say that about Neil and Getty, too. That's true. That's true. But for some reason, when we talk about these live albums, Alex is the one that we're just over the moon about. Yeah. We're definitely fawning over him. Yeah. But this is a great, I mean, just look at the songs in a row, seven songs in a row from all of these 80s albums. What a confident way to start a show, right? Oh. Just busting out all of these, these deep cuts. And if you think about it, This entire CD, all three CDs, 184 minutes, the only song that was recorded prior to 1980 is 2112. Everything else is from 1980 and after. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Think about that. Think about it now. I know. That's because they have a a gigantic catalog of excellent songs. Yeah, but I was thinking... Neil always says that Rush wasn't Rush until Moving Pictures came out. Right. And this is kind of the set list that Neil and the rest of the band really wanted to play. I guess so, yeah. It's very, obviously, like you said, post-Moving Pictures heavy. After they became Rush in their minds. Yeah. Interesting, right? Yeah. Track eight on the Clockwork Angels live disc is Bravado. We will pay the price. 
Now, again, on the set list I have from the Prudential Center show, Rush played the pass, not bravado. Oh, interesting. Another old one. I do remember seeing the pass. I couldn't remember where it was. This is another old one, not 80s, but pretty close, 1991, Roll the Bones. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a solid, solid version of this song. Yep. First time they did it since 2004, the 30th anniversary tour. Yeah, they loved to play it, though, right? They played it a few times. We've talked about the live albums. And it's always amazing live, yeah. I think. I totally agree. It's It was a, a great version. Which leads us to track nine, Where's My Thing? Again, roll the bones. Correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but they usually played Leave That Thing Alone as opposed to Where's My Thing, right? More often, anyway. Probably. I would think so. But I have to tell you, this is a great... (laughs) I always say that, you know, all of the instrumentals after YYZ and La Villa just aren't as good. Right. But this is... This is a great... (laughs) This is a great instrumental. Of course it is. It's Rush. Right. And your thoughts on the drum solo that follows? Such a like a left turn from all of the other solos that we've seen before, right? He just keeps getting better. Yeah. More innovative. And gone are the you know, the touchstones to all of the previous ones, you know, the big band ending, mm-hmm. all of those things. So I, I enjoyed it a lot because there's another drum solo later. Mm-hmm. This one's a little short. Right. And there's one part in it I don't know if you picked it, picked up on it, but do you remember, remember the Cosmos? They were a soccer team. Oh yeah. The New York Cosmos. Yeah. They had a chant like, let's go Cosmos or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That clapping thing. There's yeah. a part in there which sounds, as soon as I heard him play it, I said in my head, let's go Cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that, but I'm going to have to go back and check it out. I'm sure it was just a, just an accident. But as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh man, the Cosmos, I haven't thought about them in a long time. So it's track 10 on the Clockwork Angels live CD, Jer. It is Far Cry. Now, this is the only song that Rush pulled out from their previous album, Snakes and Arrows. Kind of crazy, right? It is crazy, but it's because they played so much from Clockwork Angels. Yeah. Well, they had to, right? Well, I mean, I guess, I guess they didn't have to. I mean, didn't they play, they played nine songs from Snakes and Arrows on the Snakes and Arrows tour? Right. They really, really dug deep into Snakes and Arrows there. Right. But this one, they do one better from Clockwork Angels. Oh, absolutely. Amazing first set. 
Okay, 10 songs, 780 songs, 290 songs, one Snakes and Arrows song. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, a very eclectic and deep song choice. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we're on to set two, Jer, and CD two of this set. And track one is Caravan. So, Jared, this is the beginning of 10 songs from Clockwork Angels, as we mentioned, back to back to back to back to back. The Clockwork Angels string ensemble is now on stage. Do you remember what your thoughts were when the string ensemble walked out and this began? I was just really excited for what I was about to see because the Clockwork Angels is such a great album, and I was just excited to see other musicians on stage. Yeah, me too. And curious as to how they were going to pull it off. And they pulled it off masterfully. Yeah, they pulled it off masterfully. That is correct. Yeah. So Caravan, Jer, we heard this live on the Time Machine tour. Mm-hmm. You weren't impressed. Nope. Are you impressed now? But yeah, of course. Once <laughs> I once I heard the uh, Clockwork Angels, I loved it. I loved it. And I, I just... Love. I mean, obviously the, the string ensemble, great players, obviously, right? That mm-hmm. goes without saying. And they just nail all of the intricacies of this song right alongside the band. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just as amazing musicians as Getty, Alex, and Neil are. Yep. They fit right in. They did. And I remember they were, you know, going a little nuts too. They were very, very much into it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked to Johnny Dinklage. He told us how into it he was, and I'm sure everybody else was, too. Yep. Now, the only song they skipped from Clockwork Angels, well, two songs, BU2B, which we had seen on the Time Machine tour. So Rush Mm -hmm. had played that before. And BU2B2, which is sort of just a short interlude. Right. So so I think those were wise choices. If they were going to skip a couple of tracks, those were wise choices to skip. Yeah. I mean... It's just amazing that they chose so many songs from Clockwork Angels to play, considering the first set where they played so many 80s songs. Yeah. Right. We haven't, we haven't even tapped into, you know, some of their most popular songs and concert mainstays. What other band has the balls to <laughs> basically don't. skip an entire section <laughs> of their career on a tour right. and play the whole new album? Yeah. Is ACDC doing that? No. Are they never playing Back in Black when they play? Of course they're going to play Back in Black. And they're going to play all those 70s songs too. It would be like ACDC didn't play anything that Bon Scott sang on. Nothing. Right. Right? Because their career probably, it's 40 years like Rush, right? Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, they've been around for a long time. If ACDC played no Bon Scott songs at a show, I mean, that's never going to happen. Right. And if I saw them and they didn't play any Bon Scott songs, I'd be very disappointed. And if they played the whole new album, you'd be very disappointed. <laughs> Wouldn't you be? 
I would be because I don't think I've listened to a new ACDC album <laughs> in 30 years. Right. They, they didn't put out a great album like this recently. That's the thing. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. People will tell you Black Ice is the best thing they've ever heard, maybe. I don't know. I don't even remember listening to that, Steve. <laughs> I can't give an opinion on whether it's better than, you know, Powerage or anything. So track two on set two, Blockwork Angels. already said this but the string section adds so much to this song doesn't it yeah they take this song to a new level yeah i don't know how it's different from the album version but they are just high octane during this song it's so impressive and what i noticed not only at the show we were at but listening back to this cd i think rush are playing better yeah in this second set. Not that they weren't playing well in the first set, but they're playing better in this set because of the string section, I think. I would agree with that 100%. They're inspired by the other musicians on stage. Yeah, it must have been so refreshing for them to have other people on stage with them. Oh, sure. Replicating their most recent album. You know, it's just... It was a it was a gutsy move to include strings on Clockwork Angels as much as they did, and it's so much better to have a, a live ensemble there than to just play like backing tracks. What a great decision! This really is Rush's masterpiece, and they're performing their masterpiece here. Yeah, and Neil must have been so proud, so proud. Yeah, absolutely. Track three and set two is the Anarchist. Maybe my favorite song on Clockwork Angels and maybe my favorite on this live record. Just amazing. Yeah, Neil's drums, they got a lot of punch to them at the beginning. Yeah, and what stood out to me on this particular track is Getty. He just sounds so into it. He does, right? So proud to be performing this record, like we just said. Yeah, I agree 100%. He sounds happy. Yeah, you know, despite its topic and the lyrics, it's a fun song. It's a great, it's a oh, great yeah. rollicking song, right? It's got to be fun to play. Got to be fun yeah. to play. And track four is Carney's. 
talking about the 10 heaviest Rush songs a few weeks ago, Jared, the ultimate classic rock list. Yes. And this was on the list, and it really is heavy, isn't it? It is very, very, very heavy. And what I love about it, just at the end, it's just so funny that Getty says, that was fun. It's a delicate little number or something like that because they were just <laughs> pounding the hell out of this song, just killing it from second one, right? And you could just picture the string ensemble going nuts and just getting into it with the Yeah. Oh. So good. So good. Now before we get to track five, I have a question, Jar. All right. Why did Rush switch the order of the songs? Why do you think they did this? The next track is the Wreckers, and it's not track six on Clockwork Angels. I don't know. I don't know why they would do it considering they're playing so many in a row. Right. I mean, they played the Wreckers and Headlong Flight next, followed by Halo Effect and Seven Cities of Gold. Mm -hmm. On the record, Halo Effect and Seven Cities of Gold are first, followed by the Wreckers and Headlong Flight. Why the switch? No idea. I don't I have, I have a slice idea. All right, well, let's check them out. Here's the records. me on this one the string section stands out on this one i mean like on every one but extra stunning on this one yeah i mean there's nothing really we can say about them except that they add so much and it was just a joy to be at this show or maybe two shows we don't know right <laughs> at least be at one show where the the string ensemble was playing it was just one of the best rush concert experiences I've ever had. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Track six on disc two is Headlong Flight. Now, for me, this is the highlight of the entire show. Well, it always is for you. You love this song. I love this song. This is the best song on this entire album for me. And I love how it just melds perfectly into the drum solo, which is called Drumbastica, which is a great <laughs> name for a drum solo. But it just seamlessly flows into this drum solo, which is cool. It's another short one, but it's still a solo. Right. And Alex and Getty are kind of part of it, right? Yes, it is a drum solo within the song. And Alex and Getty just add stuff. Well, they all add stuff, right? They just kind of dip in mm -hmm. and come right back out. It's 
pretty cool. Indeed, indeed. And track seven, the aforementioned halo effect. What did I see? Fooling I was. Oh, goddess with wings on a heel. All my illusions projected on her. The idea that I Now, prior to this is a little interlude that Alex does that on the CD is called Peaks Repose. Right. And what do you think that refers to? I don't have the slightest idea what or who Peak is. Yeah. Who's Peak? I mean, repose is what? A state of tranquility, I suppose? Uh, Yeah. Sort of like a a, a sleepy thing too, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But what is Peak? Um, I, I couldn't tell you. Perhaps one of our listeners knows. Of course they do. Of course they do. And Halo Effect is just a great change of pace in the middle of this record. Yeah. And it's great here. Absolutely. Which brings us to track eight on disc two, Jer, which is Seven Cities of Gold. Prudential Center show, Jar, they did not play Seven Cities of Gold. What did they play? They went right to Wish Them Well. Oh, they added... They 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 added something in a different point of the set, or they just skipped it. Yeah. They didn't play it. So we didn't see this song, at least at that show. Yeah. I wish we had, though. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because I wrote down, Welcome to the Alex Show. Yeah. And Getty's bass sound on this, as we've talked about before, is just insane it is it's insane there they are just rolling along in this concert it's just getting better and better with every song and the songs do sound good in this order they do but like like you said i I don't know why they would put them in that order it would have been easy just to leave them the way they were right considering that they end with the garden anyway right yeah i mean they're almost in the same order almost why not just keep them in the same order I don't know. I'm sure there's a good reason for it. Track nine, Jar, on this disc is Wish Them Well. Again, I wrote down Alex is the one who shines on this. Yep. And there's one part where Getty says he's trying to get Alex to dance, right? That was pretty funny. (laughs) And Getty's echoing vocals again on this one is what jumped out at me. Yeah. He sounds great on this song. You'd think he wouldn't be able to hit those high notes live. He sounds great on this whole show. Yeah. It's incredible. It really is. I mean, and how old is he at this point? He's over 60, right? I guess so. I have to do the math. I mean, to sound that good at that age is pretty incredible to me, I think. Yeah, it is a feat 
that he can even sing these songs live. And so many of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Two hours or more. Yeah. Three hours, really, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. It was almost three hours. Well, the CD is almost three hours, but the show is probably two and a half still. Yeah, still. All right. Track 10 on disc two, Jer, is The Garden. You know, I said the anarchist was my favorite, but I'm kind of thinking this is now my favorite. Mm, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I'm still going with the headlong flight, I think. Getty's vocals are perfect on this. He really, you know, like we just said, he just takes the time to keep his voice in top shape. And it shows right here. Yeah. And there's a funny moment at the beginning when he's, he says they're going to play one more song from Clockwork Angels before they get to their earlier, funnier songs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This isn't a funny song. No, it's not a funny song. And Alex's solo, of course, so emotional, right up there with his best, limelight, all the rest. I know. So what do you think after listening just to the Clockwork Angels section? Don't more Rush fans need to familiarize themselves with this album? We had Liz Swan on a month ago, and she told us she never listened to Clockwork Angels. It's kind of wrong, isn't it? I think uh, any Rush fan who kind of dipped out in the 80s would appreciate this album. Yeah. For its, its heaviness. You've got to email Liz and ask her if she's listened to Clockwork Angels yet. She has to. Okay. I'll demand that she listen to it. You should demand it. (laughs) What does old school Chuck think of this set list so far? I don't know. He probably loves it, right? I don't know. This is the most un-old school set list ever. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he probably hates it. (laughs) (laughs) The oldest song so far is The Analog Kid. That's right. Right? Yeah. All right, we're finally to disc three of Clockwork Angels Live. Track one is Dreamline. thought this was an interesting choice with the string ensemble but i love it yeah i mean i wasn't expecting the ensemble to keep playing any other songs right oh me neither no and this was a great choice especially when they they don't start out with the song right they just kind of they kick in a little bit Mm -hmm. i think i don't know if it was after the first first verse or whatever but when they when they start playing this just takes this song you know, into orbit. Yeah. It's probably the best live recording of this song that I've heard. Yeah. It really is amazing. And the strings just do that. It adds so much to it, makes it the best, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. They bring out something in the song and like, like we said before, 
and Alex Getty and Neil. Just an inspired choice by the band. If I were listing songs I would have liked to have seen with the string ensemble, I don't think I ever would have put Dreamline on the list. Would you? Nope, not at all. But I'm glad they did. Yeah. So now that brings us to track two on disc three, which is the actual drum solo from this show. This is it. This is the drum solo, right? Yes. Not part of another song. This is called The Percussor. Another great name for a drum solo. How does he come up with the names? <laughs> well, it also has two sections, right? Yes. Section one is called binary love theme. And the second one is steam bangers ball, <laughs> which I'm assuming is a play on Headbangers ball. The old MTV show. Yep. Ricky Rackman. <laughs> Ricky Rackman. Right. <laughs> but binary love theme sounds exactly like that. A binary love theme. Right. It's two computers falling in love, right? Yeah. It's great. This is the most unusual drum solo Neil has ever done. And when I was listening to this, I was in my living room and I said to myself, I got to go get the DVD. I got to go watch this. I had to go watch it. So I put it in and I watched it. And it was even more incredible watching him do it than it was hearing him do it. Yeah, I should have done that. And I also realized that I hadn't watched this DVD since probably I got it. Jerry, you got to come over and watch this thing. It is incredible lots of great camera work lots of great camera work and unlike the older stuff even from just a few years earlier like russian rio the quality was so great this is dvd quality it's incredible right right if you haven't seen rush live if you never got the chance to see rush live buy this disc the next best thing it's not seeing rush live nothing is but this is pretty damn close yeah but getting back to this so this drum solo. Oh yeah, sorry. It is the most inventive drum solo he's ever done. He's not relying on any of his old tricks. It's completely new and bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah. Especially the beginning. And I'm I'm here for it, man. I love it. Yeah. He's a master. He just is. Yeah. Absolutely. At the top of his game right here. Which is what I said, I think of the drum solo on snakes and arrows live, but I'm changing my mind. This is probably the best solo. (laughs) All right. Track three on disc three, Jer is red sector. A. Now, this is a song that I would have put on my list for the string ensemble to be part of, and it did not disappoint. Yep. Has to be the finest performance 
of this song I have ever heard Rush do before or since. Yes. They add, the string ensemble adds so much gravitas to the song, so much emotional weight to the song. That's exactly what I wrote down. Not gravitas. That's a good word, Jar. Oh, thank you very much. So hats off to whoever composed their parts. Yeah. I'm not sure who it was. This is just one of the most amazing versions of any Rush song. I know we've said that a couple of times. Yeah. But the ensemble just take it to the next level. Yeah. I mean, Red Sector A is always emotional, but this time, unreal. Yeah. Ridiculous. All right. Track four on disc three. Another one I wouldn't have thought. YYZ. Your thoughts on this, Jeff? I wouldn't have thought that they would do it either. But the way that the strings pick up the melody for just a second and then trip off into a different direction, Mm -hmm. right? They're following Alex a couple of times, but then they just go off in a different direction. And sometimes they pick up the keyboard parts, sometimes not. That's right. It's just so well done and so well composed, like you said about Red Sector A, same deal. Yeah. I would assume that this is the ensemble's favorite song to play. I don't know why. Yeah. It seems like a fun song to play. That's exactly what I wrote down here. They are having fun. Yep. Getty, Alex, and Neil are having fun. The string ensemble's having fun. This is fun. Yeah, and it was fun for us. Oh, God, yeah. Because how many times have we seen them do YYZ? Not that we're ever tired of it. No. But just to have something else in there Yeah. for the first time. I would have been on board for a whole show with the strings. A whole show. You know I want available light, Jerry. You know I want it. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to happen, but I want it. Track five on disc three, Jer, the string ensemble. We say goodnight, and it's the spirit of radio. How many times do we say it? I know. What can be said? Nothing. We might as well just skip to the next song. All right. Great way to end the show. Let's do the encores. Tom Sawyer. Another fantastic version of Tom Sawyer. Never get tired of Tom Sawyer. No. Never, ever get tired of Tom Sawyer. And saving it for the encore, a stroke of brilliance. I know. Although, how cool would it have been if the ensemble was on this song? Oh, it would have been great. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't do it. Keep them out there. Keep them out there. Why not? I guess it's a lot of work to compose these parts for these songs, (laughs) right? I would 
I would think so, Steve. <laughs> you know, I mean, they were putting their heart and soul into this. To do a whole show would have been rough. Yeah. Getty, Alex, and Neil are used to it. I don't know if Johnny's used to it. Right. <laughs> Playing a rock show for almost three hours. Johnny could do it. He could do it. Absolutely. We know he could. And finally, Jared, track seven on disc three. Chuck is going to be happy. <laughs> Twenty-one twelve. You know, not just Overture and Temples of Syrinx, but the grand finale too. Yes. It's almost like a celebration at this point, right? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just so, uh, no matter how many times we saw them, how do you get tired of like them ending with 2112, right? You don't get tired of it. You can't, you just don't get tired of it. It's impossible to get tired of it. So a few months ago, we talked about the Jones Beach show we saw. On the Time Machine Tour might have been the best show we've ever seen. This could have been the best show we've ever seen. You know, listening to this album, I'm inclined to agree. It's entirely possible that this is better than the Time Machine Tour, which is strange because it's a strange set list. It's a great set list, though. Absolutely, it's a great set list, but a bizarre one. Because how many, how many songs are on this album, Steve? 27. 27 songs on this album. 17 of them are either from Clockwork Angels or between 1983 and 1987. Yeah. So they only have 10 other songs to play with and you don't miss anything. No. You're not dying for any other song. Actually, with Red Sector A, it's 18 songs between 83 and 87. Let me ask you this. Would a song like Xanadu have fit in in this set? I don't think it would have. It might have slowed things down. I hate to say it, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's so much energy at the, at the end of this after the Clockwork Angels songs and then the encore. It really is crazy. And one of the few live albums that doesn't have Closer to the Heart on it. Right. Which I don't miss. Don't miss. I don't miss anything, which is so odd. You don't miss Working Man? Right. Crazy, right? It is crazy. But I, you know, there's one thing I do remember when we saw them is that they played the Manhattan Project, which isn't on this album, which I thought was fantastic, though. It was, and I just figured it out, Jer. We kind of did. We paused for a second and figured this out. We did see Rush a second time on this tour. It was not at Barclays Center. It was at the Etis Arena in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Yes. May 11th, 2013, which was about six months after we saw them at Prudential Center. And instead of Dreamline, in that spot, they played Manhattan Project with the strings. That venue was the weirdest place we've ever seen Rush. Yeah. 
very it was kind of small and oddly shaped mm-hmm. and we had pretty good seats for that one we did i can't believe they played that place it was such a good show yep and instead of the body electric they played limelight and instead of something else which i can't figure out they played <laughs> seven cities of gold so we did see them do that and that's why you remember it huh there you go look at that look at me we figured it out I figured it out now the rest of this cd we're not going to play these tracks i mean we, we're running out of time here jer i know this is already too long right the bonus tracks were limelight which was a sound check recording which was amazing you know it sounded so good right you've got to go on spotify or buy this disc and listen to this getty doesn't sing all the parts which i think is cool yeah they're obviously working on getting the levels for themselves the music yeah, and Getty's probably saving his voice for the show. Yes. So there's the bonus track of Limelight, and then there's Middletown Dreams, which is amazing, and The Pass, which we saw at Prudential Center. Yeah, it's, it's hard to figure out, you know, the different set lists when you read it. You know, they played this song here, they played this song yeah. here, because they, they didn't do like a, a traditional ABC type of thing where they always play. They switched things out in between all of the different supposed set lists where they were switching songs out, right? Sometimes they play them twice in a row. Sometimes they would switch back and forth. Right. They took Seven Cities of Gold out at certain shows, but didn't put something in the middle, in the middle of Clockwork Angels, obviously. They added it somewhere else. Yes. That's why I'm having trouble figuring it out. And the final song on the disc is the aforementioned Manhattan Project with the Mm -hmm. strings. Just amazing. It couldn't be any better. Really couldn't be. Really couldn't be. Because there's that song has strings on it in the recording on Power Windows. So it was the perfect, the perfect song to play live with the, with the ensemble. And the perfect ending to this episode, Jer. We've got one more live album to talk about. That's R40. We're going to do that soon. Yep. You can find us on Twitter at RushFanCast. Instagram, find us at TheRushCast. Email Jerry. Let him know what you thought of our conversation about Clockwork Angels Live, therushcast at gmail.com. Bass intro and outro, that is Lex. And Jar, I hope you have a great quote to wrap this up for us. I do, of course. And it's a random one, keeping with the, the random nature of this set list. It's from Warpaint. Oh, Warpaint, that is random. All puffed up with vanity, we see what we want to see. To the beautiful and the wise, the mirror always lies. My mirror's been lying to me for years, Jer. (laughs) Thanks. All right, see you later.